Welcome once again to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we are in chapter 10 of Exodus. And we're getting close to the end of the plagues finally. You know, we've been looking at uh, a few weeks here, we've been going over some of these plagues and we're going to be uh, coming ab- uh, amongst the ninth plague, and uh, eighth and ninth plague if you will. And again, you know, we're going to be observing some things that, you know, we may not have observed in our land here in our day and age, but, you know, there are certain things we could relate to. And we're going to see a section. We're going to see a section where Egypt will be in complete darkness. And if there's something that we may have uh, that we may we may have experienced in our lives, it was living in dark. You know, can can you remember trying to, um, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, you know, in in a dark house? You don't you don't want to wake your family, so you don't turn on the lights, and you're trying to stumble. You try to stumble across your dark house to get to the kitchen or whatever the case may be, and you find out, you know, that somebody left something on the floor that you're tripping over, and 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 it's it's a scary thing. You don't know what's around you. You don't know where you're going to step or what you're going to do. And again, today's scripture will will show us the darkness as well as examining not so much the darkness, but also the blackness, right? The blackness that that came from it all. I mean, there's dark, but then there could be even more so dark to the point of blackness, to where you can't see. Okay, the Pharaoh, the, the Pharaoh has been suffering through a hardened heart, which he was doing to himself, and really all he had to do was simply come to God. He could have simply come to God and, and, and it, could have, it could have gone away. It could, have, it could have been over. Pharaoh could have been blessed. Egypt could have been blessed. But no, he just basically thought he could fight God by just rebelling, which is the worst thing anybody could do. And again, a hardened heart is nothing more than evidence of, of the blackness of what became his spirit. The opposition to God, right? For the plans for his people. You know, we've experienced some of this darkness, I'm sure. Because this blackness, this darkness doesn't merely blind you. It, it actually seeps into the core of your soul. You know, the darkness of the heart, right? Brought on by sin, brought on by disobedience, and, and continuing in the stubbornness and rebellion. And if we've ever experienced such things in our life, I want to remind us that we can stop it at any time in the midst of that rebellion because God is waiting for us to reach out to Him. He's waiting for us to surrender, to put away that selfish pride that we all suffer from at times. He's wanting to light our path with His presence. And if you've experienced this kind of darkness, and okay, with with maybe and others who are close to you, you can help them out of it if you've survived. God wants to show people the way to the light, and we're going to see that. I had a blessed evening. This was a wonderful evening for me, as, as I um, earlier I got to um, uh, to serve at a men's shelter. And um, as we were serving food at this men's shelter, the, the, the best part of it all was the conversations. And the topper of the evening was to lead a gentleman who knew the Lord, very much knew his word. I, he, was a, he was a man of God who knew his word and loved God, but had fallen away at some point. 
But he he came back. He he said a prayer of rededication to come back to the Lord this evening, and it was my it was my honor and my privilege to be a part of that. And again, this is what this is about. And and again, heaven rejoices. Heaven, all of heaven rejoices when somebody gives their life to the Lord. When somebody sees that light, God wants to see you in His kingdom. But the Pharaoh, see, the Pharaoh didn't care. Pharaoh, the Pharaoh didn't believe in Him, right? He, who is this God? I don't. Who is this God that I should be obeying Him? Well, that was many plagues ago. He should have given up right at the first time. He didn't know God. He didn't know who Yahweh was, which is the Hebrew name for God. But he did now, and the kicker was that he didn't obey. He didn't listen. He worsened his condition. God worsened his condition as he as he worsened his condition. He hardened God hardened his heart on top of Pharaoh hardening his heart. But again, God knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to come. But again, we see. We see through faithful people such as Moses and Aaron and, and others throughout the Bible what God does for those. God's willing for anyone. He wants all. But again, He knows the heart of all men. He knows the in-depth heart of all people. So let's take a look here. At uh, Exodus chapter 10, as we start off to see what, what continues to uh, transpire here in verses 1 through 6, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done. In Egypt, and and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus the Lord God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth, so that no one will be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail, and they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses, the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen since the day that you they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Locusts invading the land, right? This an insect that works in large swarms. You know, these things can strip trees and crops to nothing when large enough groups come together. Now, I've I've actually seen in other places where locusts have invaded certain areas. Uh, like in the year of 2013, parts of Israel, uh, Egypt, and also uh, Madagascar, they had a, quite an attack of them actually. Which in, in Israel. It was considered to be a prophetic. It was considered to be prophetic from the book of Joel. But we have seen what they can do, and Egypt had to have seen the worst case ever in all of history. See, it came to this eighth plague for Moses to ask the Pharaoh, "When will you humble yourself? How long will it take to do so?" 
we like to use a modern term in this day and in this day and age and it's called we would like to call it of uh, pushing the envelope right we suffer from stubborn pride and think that by defying the lord that we're on top well pharaoh was the poster child of that stubborn pride because god made himself known that not only does he exist but also that his power is beyond anything or anyone human or spiritual see they did not get that because all of their gods, the Egyptian gods, were non-existent. Okay, they were they were figments of their imagination. It was something to have. It was to have something that was bigger than themselves. I suppose I don't know, but God was allowing this as a reminder to the children of Moses to tell his descendants of this event, right? Because so many celebrations were ordained due to this event, but Moses was allowed to witness firsthand all of this, to make known to his descendants who God is and what he did for them and the freedom that they will see in their day. You know, God requires us to do the same, to teach them of, of this story, but also to use the events in our own lives as the witness of what God has done. Because our gracious Lord did not stop at this event, because today, even us in our day, has we have amazing testimonies of things that he has delivered us from. It is very important to tell our children and grandchildren of the events in our lives, so that they can see that today he's still working in our lives and in our situations. What is God doing for you right now, or what's he done for you recently? If I may ask a question, right? If, I, if you were to stop and think. Many can speak of something. Others will say nothing is going on. Well, either way, if it's quiet, then may you enjoy the time. (laughs) But somewhere we can speak of a turning point where God has intervened. Maybe uh, maybe, uh, now, it might have been years ago, but our stories will help form the foundation of our children's belief and walk with God. Because I I have many favorite verses in, in, say, like the book of Psalms. But one of the verses that stands out is out of Psalm 37, verse 25. And this was from King David. He said, and I quote, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. And if anything, we can say that if if that has been a part of our lives, then what may seem quiet speaks loud volumes because God has been active in this scripture. So what is God doing? What has he done? Well, those with him will have the most amazing stories to tell. It may not be living out the biggest biblical dramatic story such as the plagues, but it can be the uh, the biggest thing that God has done for you. Because these are vital lessons today. Even to learn from as God made it a big deal for you. It was his guiding hand through whatever trial you faced. Now let's continue in verses 7 through 11. Let's see what it says here. And then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you, uh, let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. 
You know, when, when Moses came to Pharaoh the first time to make known who God was, and his, you know, and his people, right, and to let them go worship God the Pharaoh, you know, God, the Pharaoh was, who is this God that I should obey him? And he revealed himself to Pharaoh that he first of all exists unlike the entities that Pharaoh and the other Egyptians worshipped. Second, he revealed that he, that he has power over all things that they thought were handled by single gods more than anything. He made known that he was a God who loved and cared more than anyone could ever love or care for anyone else. See, all gods that were worshipped were typically in the form of wrath. They could care less about the people that worshipped them or created them even. The Pharaoh could care less about his own people. His own leaders, whose hearts were hardened as well, tried to reason with him. Let them go. This is crazy. This is craziness. Things are getting worse. But like a typical bad leader, he didn't listen to reason. And, and Pharaoh thought he was smart. Well, let's let, let the men go and worship, but the women and children can stay, right? Holding them hostage. Knowing, knowing that the men would come back that way. You know, he thought he was slick. But Moses was on top of him and was not going to allow compromise to Pharaoh's request. That was obviously with an agenda. He knew the women could not make it in society without the men. So nice try, but in reality he was saying, I will be the deciding factor if they can go. That's what Pharaoh was saying. See, the Lord wasn't requesting only the men to come and worship. He was requesting all men, women, and child to worship together in collective worship in the assembly of his family that God intended it. Right? It, it would be the beginning of gatherings among the people before synagogues were assembled. Uh, the body of people were the synagogue, the church, right? And coming together in worship of God. Pharaoh was looking for plan B. How can I give in to God without full submission? Well, maybe I could outsmart God. Well, he didn't know that Moses was already forewarned about what Pharaoh would do. He would not give in. He would harden his heart over and over and God would add on to the, uh, to the hardening. And we forget how blessed we are today to have Christ in the grace that we have. And to be able to receive it when asked at any time, and most of all when we ask in truth. People ask, what is the greatest of sins, right? What is the worst of sins? Well, that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was through the hardening of the heart. Because hardening of the heart is one of the most dangerous things a person can do in the form of not just our everyday lives, but for the sake of eternity, Pharaoh was the epitome of hard heart stubbornness and the example of what happens to people with that problem. You know, he's the example of what a leader is not to be. And it goes to show that those who follow God are the greatest of leaders versus those who think they have control over the hemisphere, uh, you know, of a part of the world that they live in. Let's continue to take a look here to, to, to look at some more, more of the events from this account in verses 12 to 20. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over this land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land. All that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought a, an east wind on the land all that day and all of that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locust went up all over the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. 
Previously there had been no such locusts as they, as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land, all the fruit of the trees, which the, um, which the hail had left, so there remained nothing green on the trees, or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God, that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Again, you know, the repetition of Pharaoh. I have sinned and the mercy of God, right? Removing the plague. That's what we have. We have the repetition of, of Pharaoh. I have sinned and we have the mercy of God removing the plague. But, you know, unfortunately the damage was done. It, it could have always been worse, but it was enough to get everyone's attention. God was obviously removing the locusts and the other and the other plagues, not for the sake of the Pharaoh's request, but on behalf of the prayer of Moses. The Egyptian god named Set was the protector of crops, and once again, nowhere to be found. Right? <laughs> no god of the Egyptians was to be found, as, as not just crops, but also their trees. All of the greenery was stripped. And whenever we put another person, thing, or entity in our lives over God, we eventually find ourselves at a loss. See, people would have, have their uh, people would have their little statues and their little figurines they worship on a shelf. And it's funny because there's places that have earthquakes. You know, they'd, these things that would get knocked down, and these things uh, that people would try to desperately save and then piece back together their gods, right? Well, if that's what needs to be done then perhaps their gods should be worshipping the ones that put them on the shelf and have to piece them back together. Because that is what our God does. He puts us back together. And he puts the pieces of broken lives back together. Pharaoh thought he was playing Moses like a one-stringed guitar. But the tune of Pharaoh was not being heard because he was not in the same harmony with the Lord as Moses was. There is a shallow repentance... And many know what that is. There is a false repentance for uh, you know, uh, for other mere men to see, but it's not hidden from God. Right? Men can fall for the repentance on how sorry they are, but God knows what's what's true and not. Right? This subject is unfortunately repeated. But if there is something I've learned, is that a good teacher, a good teacher will continue to remind us of things until we've grasped it. Because there are teachers out there that will just pass you. They'll pass you to move you on from their presence. But God doesn't work that way. See, he'll make us take the test over and over until we've obtained what it is that he was showing us. If there's something to make clear, it is that trials will hit believers. They will hit the children of God. The difference is that if trials are going to come, may they come for the sake of growing us through the will and plan of God and not by our own actions against God. Because he will allow things based on different things. You know, training us in one way, shape, or form to mold us and shape us. Or, or perhaps he is allowing uh, trials by the results of our actions.
But, you know, Moses himself experienced that by his actions later on, later on through the Exodus. But Pharaoh's actions are the result of Egypt's demise. The, the Word of God gives us the mind and heart of God to help us navigate through life, right? To, to give us insight of who God is and what He wants, desires, what He dislikes. And, and as hard as it is to read about at times, the plagues that is, it was understandable to see when, when the stubbornness got in the way with the Pharaoh. It's a little easier to see when stubbornness gets in the way at times. But even his own men said, just let them go. It's getting worse, right? These were his wise men, <laughs> and this was the wisest advice that they gave Pharaoh. Surrender to God. You know, if only more would do that. If only more people would surrender to God, what would society be like? What would society look like, right, if we could just do that, surrender to God? Let's take a look here at the next plague of verse 21 to 29. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord only. Let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we've arrived there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not let them go. And then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Darkness in the land was a good example of what things were like in the area of Goshen, right? Goshen, where the, uh, uh, where the Israelites dwelt, had light. As they were of God, who is light, and his presence brings light. If you've ever been to places when it gets dark, there is, there is no form of light that is a scary, that is a scary feeling when you don't have that form of light. Because I remember one time, I remember being in the mountains at night and getting out of the car and not even being able to see my own hand in front of my face. Now, we're talking thousands of years ago in the desert, right? There's no electricity, no means of light. I can imagine, I can only imagine how dark it was. And I, I know, I think I mentioned it in a couple chapters back, but this was in the late 1800s, almost almost 1900s. Um, archaeologists had found a piece of papyrus that was written by an Egyptian sage. And on it, he mentioned that the Nile had turned to blood, frogs have inhabited the land, locusts have eaten our crops and the tree, you know, and trees, and the land is in complete darkness. He, he wrote it down like in the form of a diary. And all of the, all of the plagues that were happening was written and distraught by this Egyptian sage, this teacher of the land, if you will. See, wish it said, I wish it said more on the reason, right? But being Pharaoh, but, Thank God. Thank God that proof is left behind on his hand on things. But I, I would have loved it if this Egyptian sage would have put, yeah, this was all the Pharaoh's fault, but you know, he was just documenting everything that was going on in this, in this form of distraughtness. 
But, but again, Pharaoh was dealing with a crooked hand, all right? Get away from me and see my face no more. Well, that, that is what the goal was. <laughs> but the envelope was pushed beyond reconciliation, unfortunately. No, not a hoof of the cattle of an Israelite will be left behind. People have questioned. People have questioned, why would Pharaoh keep them? Why would he keep them if he was unhappy about their growth in population? Well, again, do you think that, do you think the the building of the empire, right? That, that's what it was. The building of the 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 Egyptian empire was based on free slave labor. It was the Israelites, right? A lot of that area of Egypt was built by them. And if you go to Israel, many things that they've built are still standing thousands of years later. So they have some very good building abilities. They have abilities that were beneficial years later. They built the temple in Jerusalem. And it, and it was to this day the most impressive, priceless structure ever built. In, in fact, kings, kings and queens from other countries traveled there just to observe it. See, this was the plan of God to bring them to a home set aside by the Lord. And this event was the stepping stones to the move. There will be one more plague that will be, uh, that will put an end to the demise of Pharaoh and the empire. Because God does not allow any form of bondage to be left complete, right? To be left. Uh, complete surrender is what he's wanted. And surrender is a blessing when done for God. It is the best thing that one can ever do. Everyone, See, everyone has a birthday and everyone has a last day on earth. And giving your life to God as Christ gave his life for us was the example, it was the greatest gift that we could ever receive. It was the, it, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind. The, the greatest example of surrender was from the Lord that was observed in his sacrifice. And never is there a forcing to have a relationship with God. No one wants people to love him or her out of, for, out of force or, or out of false pretense. God wants what is genuine. And we do too. Right? We do too. Nothing or no one is more genuine than our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And if you, and if you believe that, if the Lord has placed his love on your heart or has spoken to you in any way, here's your opportunity right now. Again, I mentioned earlier the, the joy of, of, of leading somebody to Christ. It is the greatest gift that anybody could receive. And the opportunity to receive Him, the opportunity to receive everlasting eternal life in heaven with Him, is a gift beyond gifts. Well, you have the opportunity to receive that gift if you feel led. See, God never forces anybody. God wants you to love Him in truth because He loves you and I out of truth. And He will never force anyone to, to worship Him, serve Him, or love Him. He just wanted it out of truth. He created us. But why, how could we not love Him? How could we not want a part of Him? Some people will say, well, he's never done anything for me, you know, and so on and so forth. And, well, I mean, let's face it, you know, deep down you love somebody here on earth that hasn't done a whole lot for you, I'm sure. <laughs> but 
to not give God a chance is worse than playing Russian roulette. Because this isn't just our lives, this is the, our eternities that we're messing with here. And so I, I want to give the opportunity now, because the most important decision of our lives is made on this decision. To receive the Lord into your heart as, as, your, as your Lord, your Savior, your Father, Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for the sins of this world. And if you feel led, I want to give you the opportunity right now to say the simple prayer of repentance and acceptance, receiving the Lord in your heart. Just say this prayer after me and say it in truth. And the Lord will the Lord will dwell in you. Please, Father Lord, I come before you. I ask of you to forgive me of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me from my sins. I ask of you, Lord, to come into my heart, Lord. To give me new life. And I want to thank you, Lord, for dying for me on that cross. I ask, Lord, that you would receive me, Lord, as I have received you as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. And that you would receive me as a child of yours. For Father, I thank you again, Lord, for loving me, for thinking of me. And I ask, Lord, that you would just continue, Father, Lord, to guide my path. As I love you and I praise you, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that you did say that prayer. Because, you know, God's been uh, keeping his eye on you for some time. Well, he's going to continue to keep his eye on you, especially now that you've chosen him and want to walk with him. So, I say give it a go. It's going to be the best thing you'll ever do. You know, there's going to be some tough times ahead. I'm not going to lie to you because you're on earth. And you're going to see things that that are going to affect you at times. But you're going to want somebody there that can clean up those messes. And only one that can clean it up is our Lord and Savior himself. So I pray that you walk with him diligently and in love and in truth. And if I don't see you here on earth, we're going to be together in eternity. Praise God. So may God bless you and keep you and your families. And may you worship him in truth. God bless you.